Hey everybody, this is Jade and welcome to another episode of Jade Start Secrets podcast. Before we dive into the interview with Norm from Bed Down, I just wanted to provide you a quick update as we recorded this podcast a few weeks ago. So since we've recorded the podcast, Norm has actually received his charity status and is launching his pilot program, which he'll explain in this interview on the 29th of September. I've posted in the show notes links to his websites and his email address so you can reach out to him if you you'd like to donate either your time or resources towards his pilot program. I've also attached at the back of the podcast the seven news feature which went viral and had over three million views so be sure to listen all the way to the end so that way you can hear the feature. Enjoy the interview. So the big question is this, how do we have the freedom we crave so badly when we're stuck in jobs we don't like, leaving us unfulfilled, exhausted and trapped? What if I told you that you're already qualified enough to start building a life on your terms, the life of your dreams? That is the question, and this podcast will show you how by giving you the answers. My name is Jade Weller, and welcome to Jade Start Secrets Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Jade, and welcome to another episode of Jade Start Secrets Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Norm. He's the founder of Bed Down, which is a charity dedicated to turning unused spaces into overnight accommodation for the homeless. So thank you so much for joining me, Norm. Thanks, Jade. I'm super excited to be here. Yes, we're about to share your story, which is an absolutely inspiring one. Oh, thank you. Why don't we tell the audience a little bit about your background, where you're from, yeah. Um, and then yeah, how, how we got to where we are today. Okay, thanks Jake. So you probably gather from my accent quite quickly that I'm not a local boy. So originally from the UK, a place called Coventry in central England. Um, background, automotive, used to work for Jaguar Cars in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it became a larger organisation, Ford brought in more, more marks into the organisation, and Land Rover, Volvo, so on and so forth. Spent nearly nine years at Jaguar and came out to Australia in 2008. My wife's a mental health nurse and we were sponsored through the 457 process with Queensland Health. Mm-hmm. So I gave up my job in the UK, never had a job to come to in Australia. We, in fact, we never been to Australia. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> came, came over to Australia. My wife had the job, stepped mm-hmm. off a plane in Rockhampton. And I thought, right, okay, where do they make cars around here? So that was my first... <laughs> First challenge, lots of cattle and uh, lots of great steak. Yeah, it's like, oh, lots of people walking around with nothing on their feet. I thought, oh, maybe I should open a shoe shop. That, <laughs> that was one of the things I was, I was considering. Um, but I was fortunate to get a job with Queensland Government as a manufacturing specialist, mm-hmm. linking in small manufacturing businesses into government subsidised programmes. Then those programmes would be delivered by a number of not-for-profits. Mm-hmm. And coming from the UK, a little place called Coventry, as I, as I mentioned, um, we found this place just outside of Rockhampton called Yapoon, beautiful mm. part of the world, um, like paradise for us. A couple of minutes to the beach, mm. no one on the beach, absolutely beautiful part of the world. Mm. Yapoon is beautiful actually. I've got yeah. family that live up in Rockhampton and Yapoon and it's like a little hideaway. Most people who travel, they don't really know to go to Yapoon. Crazy you say that, Jaden. A lot of people I meet, um, mm. as soon as you mention Rockhampton, all roads lead back to Rockhampton. Someone's yeah. got a connection there, whether it's... Mm. family or they've been to uni there or they've worked mm. there it's incredible how many people I meet that mm. actually know something about Rockhampton or been there yeah <laughs> crazy so you then it's got all nice and settled yes and then had to up and leave again that's right <laughs> so we spent a couple of years in in Rocky 
working. Yeah. Now, my wife was offered a position down here in Brisbane in correctional mental health mm -hmm. at a place called Wake Up. Mm -hmm. And I tried to get a transfer with Queensland Government. They said, oh, sorry, Norm, we uh, haven't got anything for you to go to in Brisbane. I was like, oh, right, here we go again. I've got to, I've got to leave this job here in, in Rocky and up sticks and uh, off we go on our travels again. Yeah. So, but fortunately, one of those not-for-profit organisations that we used to partner with to deliver those programmes heard I was coming to Brisbane and said, hey, Norm, do you fancy coming to join us? So I was like, mm. thanks. Yeah. Uh, haven't got to look for a job, but yeah. nice, straight in, get settled. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. But life didn't quite go to plan, did it? So you were made redundant um, yeah. by the company that you started working for. That's, that's yeah. right, Jade. So nearly 12 months ago, actually. Wow, time flies. Yeah. Um, this not-for-profit organisation, heavily funded by Queensland government, and government, governments come and governments go, so mm. funding 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 changes and I nearly made it to eight years so I mm. had a good run and and elevated myself in terms of promotional mm. so the career the career progressed within there so I'm really thankful for that but as an organization that was heavily dependent on government funding mm. um, around I joined them around 2010 and around sort of 2011 2012 government changed and government made some changes within government and lots mm. of people lost their jobs I'm not mentioning the government but <laughs> of the person that was in power at the time and then they started to look at the not-for-profits and the services that were providing and whether or not they needed to cut them and unfortunately we went pretty quickly from an organization that was 90 down to about 35 mm. and then over the last sort of five years that's changed again and unfortunately when I left nearly 12 months ago, it got down to about 10. Wow. So that, that just shows you the change over that sort of five years. Yeah. I work in insolvency, as you know, and we, the, the changes to the NDIS scheme have affected a lot of businesses. And, yeah. a, lot of, and a, a lot of the changes happened relatively quickly too. So a lot of these not-for-profits went from earning their government grants from the government and then performing the work to having to perform the work first and then getting paid after, which has put a lot of cash pressures yeah. on a lot of businesses. Yeah. So, yeah. But some good came out of it because... Yeah, so the, the first thing you do when you're made redundant, as, as a lot yeah. of people probably do, is, is hit the internet and mm -hmm. see what jobs are available. So straight out to seek, applied for a few jobs, got a few dear norms and some people didn't come back to me at, at all. And I'm thinking, right, okay, uh, maybe it's time to start thinking about doing my own thing. Mm. And having spent nearly eight years in a not-for-profit, I thought, well, maybe it's time to set up my own not-for-profit or charity or mm. organisation. Um, specifically, homelessness was close to my, my heart, and I suppose mm. we'll go into that shortly. Mm. Um, so I started to do some research on, on the current state of homelessness, and it's not mm. getting any better. In fact, it's, it's getting worse. Mm. And I thought, right, okay, if I want to do something in this space... I don't really want to reinvent the wheel and, and replicate yeah. some of the great services that are already out there. Mm. So for me, if I was going to bring a new charitable organisation to the market, it needed to be something that was going to be different and something that was going to have a meaningful impact. Mm. And I specifically wanted to target people that were homeless and in particularly those people that are sleeping rough. Mm. And I thought, well, okay, so what am I going to do about it? <laughs> and that's where... Um, I started to have a, the first challenge came into play because it was right, right, okay, so I know the problem that I want to address, mm. what's my solution going to be? Mm. And that's where I hit a, bit, hit, hit a bit of a brick wall. Mm. 
So I was thinking about this this problem over a few days and not really getting anywhere. I was writing lots of ideas on post-it notes and sticking them on the bedroom wall that was now an office. And <laughs> nothing was really resonating with me. And what I find, uh, Jade, I'm not sure what everyone else's preferences are, but sometimes for me, the best way to try and solve a problem is to take yourself out of the boiling pot yeah. and to try and clear the mind, whether or not that's go and watch TV for a bit, play video games, do a bit of reading mm. or something different. For me, what I've done, because I live out at Bayside, um, I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take myself out, go shopping, go and grab a coffee mm. and just spend a few hours wandering around a shopping centre. Mm. And that's what I did. Uh, I took myself off to Carindale Shopping Centre. Mm -hmm. And look, I don't know what people's but religious beliefs are. Uh, I don't know if someone was looking down at me this day or the planets just aligned. I pulled into this um, shopping, Carindale Shopping Centre, opened the car door, and that's where the light bulb moment happened because this venue was empty. And I, I started to get all excited. I'm looking around this car park thinking, wow, this is a great space. It's sheltered. It's very clean. I took my phone out and we spoke about this a few mm. weeks ago. I opened this app called Measure, which measures space in augmented reality. And I know you took your phone out at the yeah. time and started measuring a tile or something on the floor, which was quite funny. <laughs> so here I am walking around this car park bay, taking some measurements. I'm starting to get all excited. So I wander around Carindale Shopping Center, grab a coffee, do some shopping. And things are going off in my head all the time as I'm walking around, getting really excited. So take myself off home, straight onto Google. Anyone doing anything in car parks for the homeless? Couldn't find anything. So I was right, okay, car parks, that's one thing, but what does this solution look like? Mm -hmm. If I want to bring someone into a car park and they're going to sleep, I don't want to be carting around these massive queen-size mattresses because mm -hmm. logistically very challenging. Mm -hmm. So I started doing some research in terms of mattresses. Air mattresses have come a long way since foot pumps and blowing them <laughs> up with your mouth. And Getting dizzy trying Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> going, it's, only, it's only inflated a little bit. And um, they've come a long way in recent years. You can literally take out a plug, plug it in, flick on a switch. They inflate very quickly, mm. deflate very quickly. Mm. So I was like, right, okay, car parks. Um, mattresses, air mattresses, who are the car park operators around Australia? So more research on Google, Secure Parking are the largest car park operator around Australia and New Zealand, over 600 locations they operate across mm -hmm. Australia and New Zealand. So right, okay, Secure Parking website, who's the leadership team, CEO's Peter Anson, okay, over to LinkedIn, find, find Peter on LinkedIn, Send him a message, hey Peter, I'm Norm, I've got this idea for this, this charity to help the homeless, we'd really like to talk to you. I love that, that's yeah. amazing. He came back, to be honest, he came back pretty quickly, um, which excited me, he was like, wow, he's come back really quickly, okay. saying, hi Norm, that sounds interesting, here's my email address, what's your idea? I'm like, oh, I've got to send him an email, because you know what it's like with emails, you, get, you, you receive an email and you can interpret it a, a number of different ways. I, yeah. I didn't want to send Peter an email and he'd get it and go, this, this dude's whack. He's a whack job. He's crazy. He's off his. <laughs> What's he talking off, about? Taking yeah. my car parks. He, he's <laughs> off his. He's off his nut. Um, hey, Peter, I'd really like to meet you face to face mm. to talk you through the concept. He come back pretty quick. Hey, Norm, I'm a super busy guy. You're probably a busy guy. What's this idea? I'm like, oh, here we go. So here I am on this Friday night. I'm fretting about this email. How do I structure this email as best as I can? That. When he receives it, he's not going to think I am this crazy guy. Mm. So I start to, to structure this email. Hi, Peter. 
this is the problem around Australia. You've got all these assets that are underutilized at night time. Many are left vacant or empty. Um, this is this is what I want to do. And there's about ten dot points. Mm. Um, secure parking to be a good corporate social responsibility, community good, first mover in this space. Mm. Blah 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 blah. And I hit send. This was about sort of quarter to seven at night on a Friday night. They're an hour and a head, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, maybe I'll hear back from him in a couple of months' time. Mm. Back over to Seek. Let's see what new jobs have come up. <laughs> Honestly, it would have been, I think, maybe 10 minutes at max. He came back. Wow. And he went, wow, this sounds like a great idea. Let's, let's talk it through. I was like, it gives me, that gives me shivers even now because up until that point, that's still an idea in my head. It was a validation. That was a validation that, yeah. that came through. And I think we spoke about this before. Something changed when I got that validation. Mm. And the best way I can describe that is... When, as a couple, if you're married or you're, you, you know, you've been going out for a while or you might have a family and you start looking for an apartment or a house, and whether that's for renting or for buying, you go through all these different apartments or houses and you look at them and nothing really, nothing really suits your needs or fits and then you walk into a ha one house or one apartment and then all of a sudden you see yourself. You see yourself living there, you see yourself a sense of belonging, something changed and it was it sort of goes beyond, I think, sort of intuitive thinking. So you, you go with a gut or whatever, but this, this something changed. Yeah. I was like, right, okay, that's the validation, and this is my purpose now, to yeah. make sure that this is going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, to cut a long story short, we sat a meeting up for a few weeks after that. Um, he's based in Sydney. And I, I went around a number of charitable organisations and just sort of like the Salvos and Vinnies saying, look, this is my idea. What do you guys do? Just getting some some more information about service providers. I was getting more validation from these people. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. What mm. you're looking to do? And um, I suppose we should talk about what the idea is. I mean, I've just talked about yeah. how it all, the context of it. But what we're looking to do with Bed Down is to take spaces, as you mentioned in the introduction, so very nicely, uh, that are left either vacant or empty at night time, and activate and repurpose them into pop-up accommodation to welcome our guests who are those people that are homeless and in particular sleeping off so they can get access to a shelter mm -hmm. um, that's safe and secure and get a great night's sleep. Mm -hmm. So that's really the basis of what, what we're looking to do with Bed Down. And I didn't even have a name for it at that point. Mm -hmm. So going around all I think we might segue nicely into okay. the reason why yeah. you wanted to do cool. this, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, so the motivation really behind Bed Down goes stems back to my childhood. Mm. Um, in, in fact, I can't actually remember the events because I was so young. I was about two. Mm. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show my age here. We're sort of going back to the early 1970s, which was a great era, by the way, <laughs> um, for fashion and films and <laughs> bands and stuff like that. Um, my mum and dad were happily married. Uh, my dad was quite a successful, he was a successful businessman. He had a shop fitting business, carpenter by trade. He would have been in his early 30s when he, he suffered a massive stroke, which um, immobilized his right-hand side. His face dropped, so that impeded his speech. So that was effectively the end of the business. Mm. Being such a young child at the time, um, I can only assume what my, my own personal opinion about what happened next. Mm. My mother was quite young at the time as well, bringing up a young child. Now my dad was disabled. Um, that put a lot of stress on the relationship, I believe. And they separated and got divorced. And um, 
So from there, my dad then found himself in London, effectively homeless on the streets of London, sleeping rough. And that's hard to comprehend what it was like back then, because here in 2019, there's a lot more services that are out there. So what, what happened from there then is I have vague recollections of my dad coming in and out of my life. I'm not even sure what time span elapsed when he'd come back. My mum would get him tidied up, haircut, shaved, new clothes, and he'd go back to the streets of London. Now, around when I was about 11, um, we heard the news that he'd actually passed away and he'd suffered a heart attack, which ended his life. And he was lonely and homeless on the streets of London. So for me, the motivation is I couldn't do anything at the time because I was a young fella. Mm. Here I am in 2019, I've got an opportunity mm. to change and help save mm. people's lives. And I the in, the, sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say, I think that kind of experience probably affects a lot more people than what we realize. Like, so when you were telling me this experience when we caught up a few weeks ago, I was telling you my, my stepmom had a yes. stroke actually, and yeah. she was in her early thirties too. And our situation could have easily been the same as yours, except for dad was the one who would go out and work. Yeah. So mum stayed at home. So our family were able to sort of get through that period and survive. But yeah. there are a lot of people out there who, who husbands or wives or, or partners are the breadwinner and then they suffer some kind of illness, whether it be a stroke or a heart attack or a mental illness. And, and then before they know it, they're left without an income and they're on the streets. That's it. There's many, there's many different sort of tentacles to homelessness and how yeah. people find them, them themselves being homeless. Yeah. And again, it's, it's like an onion. There's very many, there's heaps of layers to it. Mm. Um, one part of it are, the, are those people that end up on the streets. Mm. Um, for me, I guess as well, which is crazy, and here's some, some sort of stats for the people watching, is my dad passed away at the age of 42. Mm. Here we are in 2019, and even over the last 10 years in terms of technological advancements, like who'd have thought it when they, they invented the speaker many, many years ago, that here in 2019, you would say, hey Google, hey Alexa, and a speaker would pop to life and start speaking to you. Mm. And we've got cars that can nearly drive themselves. But here we are in 2019, there's over 116,000 people deemed to be homeless. Of that number, there's over 8,000 people across Australia that sleep rough every night, mm. on the street, on a bench, in a park, under a bridge. And then, when you look at the average life expectancy of someone who has been on the street sleeping rough for a considerable amount of time, it's the age of 47. Wow, so nearly half. You know, we're expected, wow. we're expected to go into our late 70s, early 80s. My dad died at the age of 42 nearly 40 years ago. Here we are in 2019, 47. That needle hasn't moved no. very much. Yet we've had all this advancement in terms of technological, yeah. technological advancements and even medical advancements as well. Yeah. So, so, so for me, to have the opportunity with Bed Down to improve the quality of life of our guests, to help them build a life of quality and to help potentially save lives mm. as well is, is a massive motivator for me. Mm. And something bigger than you too. It is. You'll Absolutely. never get bored of or yes. Yeah, that's yeah. really special. Um, so uh, let's pick up the story about secure parking. So yeah. you heard back with him, you then met with them. Yes. And what happened then? Yeah, so I flew down to Sydney in mid-November last mm. year and met with Peter Anson, who's the CEO. Mm. And I, I set the context because Peter didn't know the backstory. 
-hmm. So I set that context for him. And I prepared this PowerPoint presentation. And I got about four or five slides in. He was like, yeah, we're, we're on board to pilot this and then help you roll this out across Australia. I was like, whoa, this is it. What, really? So again, that look, that, my hair's on my arms because I've got nothing on my head. Um, <laughs> stand, standing, standing, on my, standing up because it still, it still gives me chills. And that was even... That, that was the validation from there. Yeah. And it's been a roller coaster journey since mid, mid November of last year. Yeah. Because um, quite naively, I thought, right, secure parking are on board. I can start bringing people in and we can start helping our guests straight away. And the reason I refer to people as guests is we want to we welcome people in as if they're part of the family and treat them that way, treat them with the dignity and respect that they deserve. So we refer to our our guests as guests. Um, so, so yeah, it's been a roller coaster journey since since mid November, and thinking that straight away I could start welcoming people into car parks and getting them access to a shelter and a great night's sleep was quite naive at the time, mm. um, because unfortunately there's lots of rules and regulations around this type of stuff. I don't think you're alone there. A lot of people think they can start a business with a few bucks in their back pocket yeah. and a bit of research and away they go. But yeah. as you find when you first launch a business, there's a lot more that goes into it than what you think. So how, what were some of the challenges you faced when you started setting up your venture? So yeah, interestingly enough, the first the first thing I thought was what am I going to need in terms mm -hmm. of capital to get this mm -hmm. thing off the ground? So I, as it turns out, I badly estimated the number. But I estimated about 40k I'd need to get this thing off the ground, and that was for things like a website, for legal fees, for insurances, for training, for equipment, for hiring equipment, so on and so forth. So I had a list of things and some rough, rough estimates based on some research, and um, I thought, where am I going to get this 40k from? Mm. And I thought, well, my, my easiest option is to crowdsource it. Mm. So I went to a platform called GoFundMe. Yeah. And we're just in early December now, so I'm conscious that Christmas is around the corner. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, well, this is going to go one or two ways. It's the season of goodwill and giving, mm -hmm. or people are, just haven't got the money because they've spent out for Christmas. Mm -hmm. But I had to put a line in the sand to let people know what it was I was looking to do. Yeah. So I launched the campaign in December. Mm -hmm. And quite quickly, I, I did start to get some donations to come through. The 40K target was there. And... They were trickling through. I was like, okay, that, that, that's cool. We, we've got something that started. There's more validation. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more validation. Mm -hmm. And um, just before Christmas, actually, I, I met with the local council here in Brisbane. And it was an interesting meeting. Um, but that's where rules and regulations started to come into play, Jen. Yeah. And sort of like took me a little bit, a little bit by surprise. You probably would have thought if secure parking are on board, what, what yeah, would you need? Like, exactly. Sure, and yeah. And... Given the issue that I was looking to address, I thought, right, okay, maybe I'll, I'll get some support around this and mm. we'll be able to expedite it, yeah. um, so to speak. But um, yeah, I, I was, it was a rude awakening. So we were sort of talking about planning and development applications and all this sort of stuff and development applications of $5,000 for each application. I'm, I'm thinking far out. I've only got about $50 in the GoFundMe account at the moment. Yeah. This is going to be interesting. So this happened just before Christmas, um, and I'm thinking, I was a bit deflated, I'm thinking, wow, how am I going to get the money mm. to pay for all this? Mm. But then luckily, um, 
also just before Christmas, a great guy by the name of Kieran O'Donnell from an organization called Just Digital People reached out mm. through LinkedIn. He'd heard about what I was looking to do and we met. And one of those items on my badly estimated list of requirements was a website. And I met, met with Kieran and um, we had a great conversation, told him what I was looking to do. And he said, well, we'll, we'll fund that for you. Yeah. So that was a nice little sort of Christmas present, so to speak. So get, get through Christmas and New Year, and I'm doing some research on planning and rules and regulations. I'm thinking, wow, this, this, is, this is looking bigger than Ben Hur to try, and, to try and get this thing off the ground. And by that point, I probably got to about $1,500 on the go from me. Yeah. I'm thinking, well, this isn't, this isn't gaining much momentum. I'm going to need to change my tact. Mm. So I started reaching out through LinkedIn and some connections to, to see if people could introduce me to relevant people so I could start having chats to tell my story and see if I could get some support. So one of those organizations I needed support from was like a town planning consultancy that knew rules and regulations and could deal with, mm. with Brisbane City Council on, on our behalf. So mm. I met with the Walter Consulting Group and Natalie Raymond, who's one of the directors, in early January. Mm. So we're having a coffee. Again, ton of the story in the background, what the vision is. And then we got to the challenge about Brisbane City Council and planning. And she said, well, what can we do to help you? Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. And then there's a number of different stories there about yeah. other organizations and coming in to help me, even even from a legal perspective perspective to get um, bed down up and up and running as a charitable organization. Yeah. So I've had my 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 estimate of forty K mm -hmm. and the, the items that I had in there, I now know that was very low. Yeah. But you're able to get amazing support. Absolutely, people. and yeah. the value of that support has yeah. far out, yeah, outweighed yeah. what that initial estimate was. Wow, so. that's so amazing. There's so many incredible organisations out there. There is. That are willing to I've been support. so blessed. Yeah. So you actually told me an interesting story. So about um, if you're going to help people, you need to understand what it is that they go through. Yes. And so do you want to share yeah. a little bit about your experience? So, so for, yeah, thanks, Jay. So, so for me, I thought, well, as, as well as having the personal connection to homelessness with my dad, mm. I thought, really, if I really want to address and solve this issue of rough sleeping, you need to experience what it's like. Mm. So in early February of this year, I came into the CBD with a couple of gentlemen who joined me. And... We came out overnight to to sleep rough in the CBD, mm. and it was it was an interesting experience because it, it gave me a different perspective in terms of what it's actually like to sleep rough on the streets of Brisbane. And so I haven't got a positive thing to say about that experience, Jay, because the only words I can use are brutal, inhumane, cruel, grim, dark. They're all the the sort of descriptors I would put around that. Yeah. Because if you throw a sleeping bag down on a piece of concrete and you try and sleep on that, you very quickly understand that the human body is not designed to that environment. Mm. We've come a long way since Neanderthal man and Neanderthal women. Mm. You know, we've got first world problems. Yeah, now, right? billions of years <laughs> later, yeah. you know, the human body has evolved. We're just not designed to to cope with that environment. I lasted about ten minutes. My mm. body was physically aching. Now I'm a bit older, but. Um, we had a younger, younger guy with us and he, he, he didn't last longer than 15, 20 minutes because mm. the body was just aching and rebelling saying, Norm, what are you doing to me? And yeah. um, so I got up from that and it took me about five or 10 minutes to readjust yeah. from, from that. And then we tried benches. Now they're, they're an upgrade, but they're not much comfortable either. Mm. 
Mm. And the thing, the thing you've got to understand is when you're sleeping in Roth, A, you've got the weather that you've got to contend with in terms of that environment. Then you've got the environment in terms of what you're sleeping on. Is it concrete or is it a bench? And then you've got the, the environment such as noise. And noise is quite, on a number of different levels, noise, noise comes in, into play. You've got people noise. Mm. You've got construction noise because mm. there's things going on at night around the CBD. And then you've got traffic noise. Mm. So it's very, very hard to actually sleep anyway. Mm. Um, and I, I found it quite a visceral experience because I could understand if someone has had a challenge and they've then found themselves having to cope with this environment and they're now trying to have to try and exist in this environment, that very quickly that you would get to a point in the future where you come to a fork in the road mm. and you go, which way am I going to go? Am I going to go to the bottom of a bottle or am I going to go to another substance yeah. to give me some sort of comfort yeah. because people are just walking by me. No one's seeing me. You're invisible. You're invisible. Yeah. My, my confidence has just been stripped away. My self-esteem's just been stripped away. Mm. Dignity, respect, mm. it's, it, it's all gone. And, and what am I left with? It's interesting you say that actually because there's a lot of chemicals in our brains that get released like dopamine for distraction and um, and oxytocin for connection and endorphins for like, like the work hard receive reward kind of feeling and yeah. so if people are on the streets and they're invisible they're not getting any oxytocin because they've got no connection with people yeah. they obviously have a lot of distractions but it's not the positive kind that you want to feel right. good from so I can understand why people would be turned to drugs to try and feel some sort of chemical release yeah. in their brain that makes them feel anything kind of Absolutely. remotely close to good so yeah so that was good for me because yeah. it gave me a different perspective yeah. it, it was a hard thing to go through yeah. um, emotion emo, emotionally for me it, I started to think about my dad and how he how he how he coped in that environment. Mm. But I took that emotion to, to drive me forward. Yeah. Uh, because there's a lot of services people can access during the day. Mm -hmm. Then it gets to eight o'clock at night, and then that person's got to go back to their bit of real estate, mm. whether it's in front of a shop, whether it's on a bench, whether it's in a park. There's nothing at night time, so I knew that I was onto the right thing. So it was further validation for me. So that was great. Now on the flip side of that. One of your guests from a previous podcast mm. was Corey Allen. Yes. And I met Corey Allen early on in the piece mm -hmm. when I come up with the idea of Bed Down. And he's been a great advocate and a great um, supporter of what, what we're looking to do with Bed Down. And I reached out to him before we, what I called my immersion night when we went out overnight and said, look, Corey, this is what we're looking to do. Any advice? Mm. And he said, well, what's your emergency plan? Where's your safe place? Who are your emergency contact details? So on and so on. I'm like, well, far out. <laughs> so much information. Yeah, I'm like apprehensive <laughs> before I've gone out. Yeah. But I provided him all that information so he could let his people know in different locations that we're out doing this. Mm. But on the other end of the immersion night, we got to the next morning and we called time out and that was the end of the night and we're having a coffee for three, three of us that had one out. And I got a text from Corey saying that he'd spoken to someone from Channel 7 that he knows quite well, told him about what we're looking to do mm. and yeah, what we've just done. And they said that they want to speak to me. So I was like, wow, awesome. That's amazing. What follows next is actually pretty incredible. So they came out and did a piece on Bed Down. That's right. And how many views did you get? So, I mean, this, <laughs> this is one of the highlights and one of the unexpected things for me really on this whole journey so far was yeah, I ended up speaking with Channel 7, Erin Edwards from Channel 7, uh, told her the story and she said, look, this is great, we're going to do a story uh, on Bed Down. 
do you think you'd be able to get the secure parking CEO to come up? I was like, well, funny you should say that. He's coming up in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, we arranged a story shoot around Peter's visit yeah. to Brisbane. So we, we set up a few bays with some of our beds in and we shot the story. And it was the weekend Cyclone Omar was yeah. about to hit. Yeah. And she goes, Norm, it's not going to go out this weekend. It's all about Cyclone Omar. I'll let you know when it's going out. Yeah. I was like, thanks, Erin, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to geek out a little bit here. I'm a, I'm a massive Marvel fan. and March, <laughs> the, <laughs> March the 9th, I was just about to go in with my wife, Leslie, to watch Captain Marvel. It's a very good movie, that one, too. Yeah, I didn't get to see it the first time around. I was about to get, get to that. And I get a text from Erin saying, Norm, we found a slot. It, the story's going out tonight. I'm like, okay, great. So here I am in, in, in the cinema texting all these people saying, hey, everyone, the story's going out tonight, yeah. so on and so forth. Then I get another text from Erin about half an hour later saying, this is the time slot it's going out. It's going out at 6.29. So here I am on the, on the phone again. Um, hey, everyone, it's going out at 6.29, so on and so forth. Prime time. Yeah, prime time. And then after that, my phone just started lighting up. And because people were seeing, 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 hey, no, seeing on the TV. I was like, right, okay. So one of the people that texted was my son. Mm-hmm. Hey, Bailey. Channel 7, 629, make sure you press record. Um, so we get home after the cinema, watch the watch the, the news story thinking, wow, this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Go over to the Facebook page. And look, my expectations were pretty low. Mm-hmm. I thought if I get a little bit of exposure and distribution, great. A thousand views on Facebook, I'll be really happy. It's just done over three million views in Brisbane alone. Wow. Uh, but what I what I really didn't expect was that Channel Seven were going to play it around different parts of Australia. Oh, wow. So my phone started going off and going flat very quickly because I started getting all these messages from people saying, "Wow, this is a great idea. When can, when's it coming to Perth? When's it coming to Adelaide? So on and so forth." I was like, wow, "At this wow. stage, you hadn't even done your pilot yet. No, <laughs> it's just a concept. No. So <laughs> yeah, so all these people going, "When's it going to come?" I was like, "Well, I've got to do this pilot. I've got to do this yeah. pilot. I've got to do this pilot." And um, then it went on LinkedIn, and LinkedIn went to another place. So I was like, "Fuck!" So that took the validation mm-hmm. in, into the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, "Fuck out!" This is this is gaining some momentum. So that was in March, and one of the things I was conscious of was I couldn't keep up with the comments and the shares mm-hmm. and stuff. But yeah. all the messages I was getting, I was, I was making sure that I was going back to people, people that you know, to respond because I didn't want someone saying, "Oh, we sent a message to normal bed down, they didn't come back to me." Yeah. So I was up till very early hours in the morning for about three weeks to try and keep on top of these messages. Yeah. So I was, I was pretty conscious of that. But that's the first time I've ever experienced anything that's gone viral. That's Incredible. amazing. I yeah. love it. I love it. Yeah, so it, it, it was. It was pretty pretty crazy. So when's your pilot? That's, that is a good question, actually. Yeah. So the planning side, we were talking about planning earlier. So it took about six months to go through that planning process. Mm-hmm. And we got the planning approval about three weeks ago. Now we're just going through building code and compliance because we're taking a building that's a car park and changing its use overnight, temporary accommodation, mm-hmm. and then sort of handing it back as a car park the next day. So you've got to make sure you're dealing yeah. with fire and ventilation and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So just going through that process at the moment. That's mm-hmm. moving a lot quicker than the planning side did. Yeah. But ultimately the answer to your question is I'm hoping within the next five to six weeks. That's amazing. Hope, hope's the operative word there. <laughs> You actually just, congratulations on getting your charity status set up and officially registered. So. Yeah, so so just on that, so yeah. we're incorporating not-for-profit, we're still going through the charity yeah. um, registration. Oh, okay. But that, yeah, that's yeah, on, yeah. Hopefully that's not too far away either. Yeah. 
So if people want to, I think your your charity is absolutely phenomenal. It's so incredible. And there are so many elements behind it. So it's not just accommodation. I know you have a lot of services that come in that will come in on the night as well. Yeah. And Can I just quickly yeah. talk about that? So I'm building Bed Down on three core foundations mm-hmm. and I'm conscious of time. So I'll cover these super quickly for That's you. That's okay. Um, the first of the three foundations is we believe everyone deserves a better sleep. The second core foundation is it's about repairing the quality of life before building a life of quality. Mm-hmm. So if we chop that in half and look at that first half, the repair mm-hmm. of the quality of life. So wrapped around the premise of providing someone a safe, secure, comfortable environment to get a good night's sleep, I'm looking at bringing in all those complementary services such mm-hmm. as Orange Sky for laundry and showers. I've got a mobile doctor and nurse team coming in. I've secured a dentist this week that's going to come in and do some oral hygiene. Wow. I've got hair aid coming in to do haircuts, food yeah. and beverages clothing so all those sort of things that help to repair the quality of life yeah. for someone yeah. and start putting back on those layers like self-esteem yeah. dignity and respect and confidence yeah. Yeah. then building a life quality is right how do we move you from this situation into a longer term solution yeah. whether that be accommodation training yeah. education employment or mm. rehabilitation or a combination of all those things yeah. so if we get someone into a longer term solution means they ain't coming back to use bed down services mm-hmm. which then leads into our last foundation which is to expedite the end of bed down so I'm setting this this organization up to put it out of business at some point in the future mm. with that mindset mm. that's amazing oh, I love everything about this it's so good thank you Jim. so if any of the listeners potentially have a service or an offering or maybe they want to volunteer so yep. that they can help you um, expedite your mission for bed down how can they get in contact with you and, and what what is it that you would like um, assistance with yeah so that's an interesting question we could probably be here for another hour talking about that but <laughs> very quickly so there's a number of levels to get in touch with me uh, my email is norm at beddown.org.au mm-hmm. we've also got a website which is um, www.beddown.org.au we're also on um, Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Instagram. I'm not as good as you on Instagram, by the way. Um, you've got a great following on Instagram. Just pay someone to do it. <laughs> That's the Just trick, outsource it. it. That's the trick. Um, the, look, there's a number of different things that, that we need support with, but if you just reach out and we can have a conversation on that rather than trying to take yeah. a big chunk of time. Great. And before we finish up, have you got one piece of advice for anybody who's thinking about setting up a business or a charity um, or they're trying to find their purpose? Yeah, so if you've got an idea that you might not be 100% on, go out and try and get some validation on it. And once you get that validation and you know within yourself that it's the right thing to do, stick with it, be determined, be tenacious, be patient. You will get what you deserve. Mm, that's great advice thank you so much Norm thank you, it's been Jen. an absolute pleasure having awesome. you and I'll make sure that I post all the links and the information below for anybody who's watching or listening so that way you can reach out to Norm if you'd like to have a chat thank you awesome. again thank and you. let's touch base after your pilot and yes. we can see how it went thank you so much okay, talk soon. now the following concept has people wondering why no one's done it before opening closed car parks to house homeless people at night it's the brainchild, brainchild of a Bayside man, and he has the support of one of the country's biggest car park providers. 10pm in the centre of Brisbane, valuable real estate is vacant. I don't know if my dad was looking down at me. I just got there, opened the car door, and that's where the light bulb moment sort of happened because 
The car park was empty. Norm McGillivray has wanted to help the homeless since childhood. His father, a successful businessman, died alone on the streets of London after a stroke stole his movement, marriage, his work. This is a story about a son's dream and the powerful CEO who read an email one Friday night. I was astounded first that he wrote back. It just straight away resonated with me. The idea is to open closed car parks to the homeless. Called bed down, mattresses would be blown up. The needy would be invited in when a car park closed. Multi-storey or underground, they're safe, warm in winter, cool in summer. Many have um, amenities within them that can be utilised. Other providers would be brought in. It's just a small and, and go big. As a small fellow, I couldn't do anything at the time. Now I've got a great opportunity to help someone else's mum, someone else's dad, someone else's brother or sister. Erin Edwards, 7 News. If you found value in this podcast, please let me know by leaving a review. It takes 30 seconds and tells me that you're loving receiving the content from me. It takes time to think of, record and edit these podcasts and I do it to help you on your journey. So please let me know what you think. If you're ready to launch a business, I have a brand new course which will give you the coaching I've been doing with my one-on-one clients for the past four years inside of a group coaching platform without the expensive price tag of the one-on-one coaching and it's delivered online with weekly check-ins so even the busiest person like me can manage the course load. I work a full-time job, am studying at uni and running my own successful consulting business so everything I create for you as my client is tested to make sure it can be achieved with the busiest lifestyle. I've priced the course so it's cheaper than a couple of Uber Eat meals a week and you will get me as your business coach taking you through the entire process to launch your business successfully with the proper foundations for growth. So if you're ready to take the next step to break your mold and achieve the lifestyle you deserve, click on the link in the show notes and sign up for the Launchpad course. If you haven't got a business idea yet, I offer a seven-day business idea challenge, which will help you find your purpose or why in life and match it with any number of epic business ideas. You do this challenge with a group of people so you can bounce ideas around and learn from everybody's insights. The challenge has been a huge success. So if you're ready to find your purpose or an epic business idea and learn how to validate it before launching it, sign up for the challenge and join our next intake. I appreciate you all for listening and I hope you have an amazing day wherever you're listening in the world.